Welcome to the Denny Price Family YMCA podcast, where we tell the community story. All right, welcome to The Story According to Us, a conversation about community and leadership. Begin with my co-host and friend, former NBA player, former University of Oklahoma basketball legend, BP Brent Price, and of course, myself, the coach, Greg Schamberg. We have another special guest today, a retired district attorney. A few weeks ago, we had the reigning district attorney. Now we have Kathy Stoker with us today. So welcome, Kathy. Well, thank you for having me. We're excited. We want to hear a little bit about your Enid stories, along with being a district attorney, that you can tell us. But the first thing I'd like to ask you is, is just kind of tell us how you got to Enid. How long have you been here? Family, those kind of things to start with. I am happy to do that. I was born and raised in Oklahoma City. And my father was a surgeon. My mother was a school teacher who did not teach after my older brother was born. Um, I went to Northwest Classen High School, oh, big rival yeah. of Enid. Beat Enid in the, but, uh, in the finals of 1982 state thank, finals. Thank you for bringing that yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Chu Kennedy Chu, in the group? Chu Kennedy, yeah. Robert Burks. You remember those guys? Were that were that were they before you or after you? They were they were way way after me. Oh, okay. Um, and I after I graduated from high school, I went to OU. Rumors to go, yeah. Yes, and much to here. my father's chagrin, um, I kind of had this vague idea that I wanted to be a doctor, but then I got to OU and do not ask me how this happened because I'm not sure. I ended up getting a degree in philosophy mm. and my father. That sounds really it's useful. All, yeah. It's all starting to make sense. Yes. Now. Yes. And my father kept saying, Oh, 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 but anyway, <laughs> yeah. I did. I got a degree in philosophy. Um, I did my undergraduate in three years. And so I caught up with my brother who was just a year ahead of me. And so here I was getting ready to graduate from college at the age of 20. And I think for the 20? first. How yes. fast did you go? Well, I graduated from high school at 17 and college oh, at 20. So I was on the six-year plan. Oh, were you? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so anyway, I was getting ready to graduate. And my father had been asking me for the longest time, um, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, he was mm-hmm. always really worried about. Um, you know, that I needed to do something to be able to support yeah, myself. Productivity. Yeah, it's funny how yeah. parents think about those things. Oh, boy, did he. And Terrible so <laughs> my brother was applying to law school. And I thought, oh, okay. So I did that too. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. And so I went to um, OU Law School. And Same class? Yes. He ended up, it was really... Um, kind of interesting. He ended up that first year, he had dental issues and developed these horrible dry sockets. So he had to drop out. And so then he went like to Europe and all that. And so um, he went ahead and became a a CPA, worked in the banking industry, and then decided to go back to law school later. So anyway, so I graduated um, at the ripe old age of 23 as a lawyer. And I thought that 
I really wanted to be a litigator. And this may surprise you all, but you know, women really didn't do that back in 1975. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. yeah, when I graduated from law school. So um, I had a great opportunity to come and practice law with Stephen Jones in Enid, okay. America. I so, about Stephen Jones. Yeah. yeah, so I came to Enid and, you know, been here since July of 1975. Wow. Long time. Wow, that is a long time. That is a long time. It so is. when... Uh, what were your first impressions when you moved to Enid? And, and, you know, we'd like to talk a little bit about Enid and the community and what a special place it is. Um, did you recognize that right off when you moved here or were you just young? And, you know, did you think you would be here to the, you know, at this time in your life when you moved here? Did you realize that you would be coming to stay? I don't think at, I don't think at 23, I thought, you know, like really long term. I thought I would enjoy moving to what I considered to be a small town. Right. And so I loved it. I loved it from the beginning. Um, it took a while to make friends because, you know, you're coming in as an outsider. Mm-hmm. And well, you're not very social either. Right. <laughs> and I was the I was the only woman practicing law in Enid at that time. But there wow. were several of my classmates from OU who were here. I mean, Dennis Laddick, who's a district yeah. judge now, and Jim Musser, who's no longer living. So there were, you know, there were several of us at about that age, but I lived in it from the beginning. Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit. I mean, I watch Law and Order. I just want you to know. Oh, okay, good. Good to know. I don't. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure that's realistic. <laughs> no doubt. But uh, is going into a trial, a big trial, where you feel like whether you're the district attorney or just doing some kind of litigation on your own. Is there an excitement to it? Is it high pressure, high stress? Can you sleep before? You know, what, tell us a little bit about what it's like to be in a, in a trial. Well, of course, at the beginning of, you know, of most people's um, legal careers, I mean, it's terrifying even standing up in a courtroom without a jury and just, you know, being able to say anything, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I didn't have a speech or debate background or anything like yeah. that. So, I mean, I can remember early on, like as a legal intern and all that, you know, just being really nervous, but it was just something I was really drawn to. And so what happens when you, um, when you become a trial lawyer, it's like anything else you become increasingly accustomed to speaking up, you know, introducing yourself to jurors and presenting cases. But I mean, it is, it's, it's high stakes and high pressure. So Kathy, uh, when when we had Mike Fields on, Mm -hmm. of course we asked him, you know, who impacted him probably the most in his field. And and that was you. And he couldn't say enough things about how, what he learned under you and, and, and working with you, who would that person be for you? Who, who do you feel like, did you feel like mentored you or, or had an impact um, in your career in terms of um, your style and your, you know, how to, how to go about being, being a lawyer and ultimately district attorney um, for me, I think, um, first of all, I had parents who um, just didn't, I mean, they just thought we could do whatever we wanted to do. So I didn't start off with any, you know, self-imposed limitations. And so when I started practicing law, um, obviously Stephen was a 
um, was a Stephen Jones was a great mentor, and I learned a lot about practicing law from him, about how important the details are. Yeah, he's a detail guy. Yeah, I mean you, that you have to you have to be very very prepared and. Um, so I, I learned that from Stephen, and then when I decided I wanted to be a prosecutor, um, flipped over to the other side. <laughs> yeah, flipped to the other side. Um, my boss back then, the district attorney Earl Gerke, um, Oh my gosh! I mean, he just gave me so many opportunities um, to try cases, and um, and I I can tell you that when I when I decided that I wanted to run for district attorney when when my boss was retiring, um, having people who believe in you even more than you believe in yourself. And my boss did, and my friend Benny Mullins, you know, did, I mean, they just, they, both of them just said, you can do this, you know, don't, don't think about it. And so you just, you know, you just move forward. And I had never even worked in like a political campaign before I ran one. So you didn't even know you were supposed to be scared. You just jumped in. Well, <laughs> That's the best way to go. You know, I think it's um, helpful when yeah. you're ignorant. I, you think, know? I think sometimes it ignorance is bliss. bliss. That's true. So did you consciously decide, I want to work for the other side, so to speak, in terms of you know prosecuting criminals and, and that type of thing? Or was it just more of an opportunity to further a career and that was an opening? Was it something you really you know, thought a lot about. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I, I was working many, 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 many hours working for uh, Stephen, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, my friend Benny Mullins, the one I said believed in me before I believed in myself, <clears throat> she had started her career at the Oklahoma City Police Department. She just could not believe that I would even consider continuing on in criminal defense. I mean, you know, she just kept saying, you know, no, you need to be a prosecutor. You need to be a prosecutor. And so I, there was an opening and I applied and, you know, surprisingly, it was so interesting because um, the, I think there is often a misconception that people who work for the state don't work very hard. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think yeah. I think there is sometimes yeah. that misconception, and it's just not true. Um, but anyway, so I I jumped in, and my boss hired me to work in this office, and um, it just went on from there. You yeah, know? That's, that's a great segue because I was going to ask you next. We know that when you're dealing with law and the things that change and all the preparation, how do you balance life and that job? Ooh, I think it's really hard. And I am not sure that I did a great job at that. You know, I can remember, you know, toward the end of my career, after I'd been a prosecutor for, what, 32 and a half years, and I was talking to one of my husband's relatives, his cousin, and I was saying, gosh, it just went by so fast. I said, can you believe how fast life's going by? And he just looked at me and he said, I think it may have something to do with the way you've lived it. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, you just, it was like just nose to the grindstone, yeah. you know, up early, you know, exercise, go to the office, work long hours, come home. Um, you know, well, you got to watch your programs while you're working. Out <laughs> yeah. too, so no, you, I, 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 you wouldn't, didn't have time I, for that. I wasn't watching any programs then. <laughs> 
And, and you know how it is when you're working long, long hours. And so then your, your weekends are, you know, Saturdays, you're just trying to catch up with all the stuff that needs to be done. And Sunday, obviously church and um, getting ready for the next week. So time just flies by. So tell us a little bit about, I know you become very involved in the why uh-huh. um, and I have, Actually, that's where I've gotten to know you yes. is through this this institution we call the Young Men's Christian Association. Yes. And um, so what is it about the why that you love? Because, you know, I know you're very active, not only coming and, and working out, but uh, serving on committees in the board. And um, you're doing a great job leading the, the Christian Emphasis Committee. Um, what is it about this place that draws you um that you like? Well, obviously the mission. I mean, it's so much more than just a place to work out. You know, this is an organization that does a lot to help our community to just, to just make Enid a better place. And it's growing and evolving. I mean, with, with um, Greg's leadership, oh my gosh. I mean, we are doing things, you know, like helping, helping feed children last summer. We're doing, you know, an expanded daycare. Um, I just, I, I love, making a difference for the people that are in this community. And we were talking about at our board meeting today, something that is so important to remember, which is that so many people are struggling financially right now because of the pandemic, because of inflation. And um, every year we raise money through the Y. So we're able to give scholarships so that everybody can participate. I just think it, we just do great things. How is, I, I've had the opportunity to visit, I ran into you at uh, Katie's Pantry uh, yes, and, yes. you know, we had a visit while we were waiting for food and uh-huh. um, you were sharing a little bit about your faith journey and how that's progressed. And right. Can you share a little bit about that? Maybe just your faith journey and I, it, and that's what it is, a journey. It and, is a journey. And, and you, you shared how you've even grown in, in that direction in, in your latter years. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, what I, what I remember from that conversation, Brent, is that I was telling you that both you and Mike Fields were, are such, well, just so inspiring to me because both of you were raised in um, Christian homes where it was just a given. I mean, everything was a given. Your Christian education was a given. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I see how that impacted choices that you made. And both you and Mike have made great choices and your families reflect that. And what I was telling you was that although my parents were Christians, um, I did not have that kind of early upbringing that you did. And so, you know, church was, you know, we went, I, I would go to church for a while. My brother, my mother and I would go to church. And, but we weren't, we weren't terribly involved. There was, I I just didn't have the kind of foundation that I see that others have had and others in my church as well. And um, so, yes, for me, you know, I got a late start learning and really reading the Bible and learning the Bible and, you know, reading books, you know, like about grace and faith Mm -hmm. and you name it. And so um, I was really thrilled the other day when I was listening to um, 
a Christian broadcast and they were talking about how the, the majority of people in our country come to faith in a process versus in an instant, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because you always hear about people um, who say, oh, yes, I can remember when I was, whatever, 11 years old, you know, being at Falls Creek or someplace and coming down and accepting the Lord and, you know, and and, uh, my life was forever changed. Like the microwave versus the uh, crock pot. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But... um, um, so anyway, I think I, I, I think that um, my perspective and my faith journey was helpful to me in so many ways um, in my first of all in my life, but secondly in my in my career mm-hmm. because um, I was a I was the baby in my family versus the versus the old older you know like do everything right person and so I think I had a greater appreciation than many people do about grace because it was just yeah. you know such an important part of of my life That's great that's a great testimony Tell us about this. We're going to go really flip topics here. Okay. We're going in a different direction. All right. How did you know when to retire? Oh, well. (laughs) How long ago was it first? I retired at the end of 2010, and I had served, I was elected seven times. So I had served seven four-year terms as the elected district attorney. And it's 28 years. It is 28 years. <laughs> Plus, you know, I had the I had the years as an assistant DA beforehand. And for me, I was used to thinking in terms of my life in four-year increments. Because I think if you go out and ask the voters to elect you, that you ought to do the very best you can uh, for the entire four years. All right. So here I was, um, I was in my, in my fifties and I had lived like I described earlier for all those years, you know, where just kind of like, you know, like a rat on a wheel. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I loved what I did, but it was, it was intense and it was not something that I felt like I could back away from gradually. You know how people... Mm -hmm. Often people in the private sector have some freedom as they, you know, mm-hmm. gain expertise right. and whatever they can, you know, maybe take off and go play golf or go play tennis. Well, I don't think I didn't feel like as an elected official that was an appropriate thing. So um, I started just really thinking about, OK, you know, I've loved this, but there is more to life than just this. So, you know, it got to be um you know, at the, I, I just thought, okay, it's time. Yeah. You know, I want to have plenty of time left to enjoy myself. That's similar to me getting out of coaching. I bet. Because it was 80 hours a week, lots of travel. You didn't travel probably as much as we did with coaching. I know you had your, your right. different courthouses, but we, you know, right. we were on the road right. talking to 18 year old kids and, and all those things. And I knew that either I was going to have to be all in or all out. So I got to the point where, it was time for me to move and do something different. Of course, this came available and you know, that's a whole other story, but I felt the same way. I didn't feel like I could ever just kind of halfway do it. Right. 
So I, I was either have to draw the line and just get out, or I was just going to have to stay in and keep doing what I was doing. And I feel the same way. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that. yeah. And for me, it was a good decision. Yeah, Kathy, um, we we kind of asked Mike this, and we've we I've talked to Mike on several occasions about this because it it's it's kind of fascinating to me, taking kind of bridging the gap of all we've talked about from your obviously your experience, your education, your experience, your faith journey. Um, being a prosecutor, I mean, you're, 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 you're not just dealing with cases, you're dealing with people's lives. Uh-huh. And, you know, as a believer, you, you always have that balance of quote, forgiveness and mercy and grace and justice and all those things and dealing with, you know, putting someone away or a death penalty or, or is this person that I feel like needs a second chance? I mean, number one, how did you process that if that's not too difficult a question and then how did you go home and could you check it at the door when you went home i mean or did you go to bed every night and have to replay and live how did you balance that out well first of all i am not a ruminator i'm not a warrior and so what a blessing it is it (laughs) is i mean i i i with every decision as the district attorney i um I tried to do the best I could at that time. And obviously the reason I say at that time is because as a prosecutor, your judgment evolves and grows, hopefully. Mm. Okay. It's fluid. Yeah. So, you know, most like brand new prosecutors, you know, they, well, they don't have, they don't have the experience of having a bunch of cases. So there's no, you know, internal comparison. You know, and, you know, Mike used to hear me talk about what I call the scale of horribles, you know, and what Mm -hmm. I meant was, you know, you, the longer you were a prosecutor, the broader range of human conduct you observed. Okay. And so I think you get better at um, if you love people, which I do, and if you believe that people can change and um, and um, turn their lives around, I think you get better at being able to evaluate that. And in my estimation, um, I always viewed violent crimes as um, as something that. Um, generally demanded serious penalties, Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, where people were hurt. But um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer your question because like no, you I say, it's, 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 it's difficult. No, I think that's a great answer. It's very interesting that to say that you evolve and the more you're dealing and, you know, the more you see human nature and then you, you probably get this, this sixth sense of, of a person's character and, you know, whether or not you feel like, you know, well, and you make mistakes. I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, sometimes you will, you will give someone maybe a chance that on paper, it doesn't look like they deserve, but you believe that grace. Yeah. Yeah. And you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then there are other times when, um, oh my gosh, you know, people just 
just surprised me. I mean, absolutely surprised me and turned their lives around. And uh, we had so many success stories and that was, those were very, very rewarding. Yeah. I, I, I have a master's in psych educational psychology, so I'm a I'm kind of a behavioral science guy and I'm, it's very hard for me to trust people that earn my trust. Uh -huh. So the prosecuting side would be hard for me because I'm not overly compassionate with people that don't at least make an effort to follow the laws and the rules. So you're probably a lot better than I would have been. I'd have been probably the hammer guy or the bad judge or the mean guy or whatever, but you do have to have compassion for people. And that's part of that job. That's a tough job, no doubt. So, well, we're getting close to uh, our time. Um, is there anything else, Brent, that you want to ask or? Anything? Well, no, I just want to say that, you know, Kathy, you're such a, you're, you're really such a light when you come into the Y. Oh, and, thank and you. Twice. Yeah. Twice a day. I'm down to once a day now. I'm down to once a day now. It has been so fun for me to get to know you and enjoy your, your love of life and your humor and your smile and, and, you know, you're on your go-to machine, which is, is the treadmill, right? Well, no, it... it's the adaptive motion trainer. Oh, okay. Yeah. The adaptive motion trainer. All right. Is that different than the elliptical? It is. That I'm on it's, a bigger it's, word. It, okay. it, it simulates running. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I need to do That's that. That's what I do. I no, need, no, I, I'm sorry. I told him because I don't want any more competition. I, yeah, I need to. On those, those I need machines. to simulate something. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, but anyway, I just want to thank you, number one, for your years and years of, of public service and um, just uh, for for who you are in this community and and the light that you are now. And it's been a, so much fun to get to know you uh, in these committees that through the Y. And, thank you. And so we just we just really appreciate well, what you. you've feel, done and what you're doing. Thank you. And I feel the same way about you. I'm glad I've had this opportunity to get to know you. And I'm so proud of our leader at the Y. Well, I mean, the job that you're doing. Thank he, you. I, yeah, he's he's doing okay. The board today, he's so. doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm average. It's good enough, right? That's my goal to be mediocre. <laughs> well, we need to get you and Mike together for a 30 minute podcast. Oh, we would that love would be that. Fun. You can tell us all kinds of funny stories. We would love that. So let's, let's uh, maybe do that in the spring sometime. We'll get you both. on. Oh my gosh. I, I listen, every opportunity I have to spend time with Mike, I take it. Yeah. There's no better human. No doubt. So we appreciate it. And uh, we love you and pray for you and, yeah. and we'll keep moving forward. Thank you. Thank you.